we're going to ask you to stand, please. Turn to the person next to you and say, God really loves you. And then take your songbook. Turn to page 221. Page 221 and join with the choir on this next verse. Crown him with many crowns.
Stand please, shake hands one another as our choir is dismissing. baptized this morning, so give your attention up this way, please. Jeff, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Therefore, my sister, because of your profession of faith and in obedience to his command, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. the 
of 10,000, the soon coming key, Jehovah Messiah, the reason why I sing, he is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, my Savior, Redeemer, he's my closest friend, God can do If you're visiting with us this morning, would you raise your hand, please? Hold it up good and tall, and our usher will come to you with a visitor's card and a pen. Appreciate it if you fill the card out and drop it in the offering plate when the offering is taken. And you may keep the pen as a gift of our church. We're delighted to have each of you here with us this morning. Several announcements. The, if you have not received your offering envelopes, your booklet, uh, be sure to pick one up. Uh, there's some on the table here in the front and also back here. And be sure to get those and fill them up, bring them back, put them in the offering plate. And um, also the Bible reading schedule, New Testament, uh, that's out. If you haven't already received it, you can pick that up also. If you haven't got your new calendar, we have new calendars there. Be sure to get that. The uh, Fires, the Revival Fires magazine or paper, newspaper is there that, that's free. If you want it, just pick it up. You don't have to pay anything for that. And um, 
I we will not be having a teacher's meeting this afternoon. I would like to meet with all the sound people, those that are on, online folks, and the uh, sound people meet at 5 o'clock in the uh, first room upstairs. And I appreciate it if you'd all be there for that. Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number 468. Hymn number 468, if you would please stand and join me in singing without him. that are sick we're glad to have Joanne back with us today and uh, also one to bunch pray for her continue to pray for her and uh, there are others we have a prayer list that we make up pass out every Wednesday night and a lot of uh, a lot of needs there so if you all don't already have one of those you need to pick it up on your way out and uh, go to the Lord in prayer throughout the week for all these needs so let's pray for, for these and pray uh, that the Lord will bless our service here and bless the offering. Thomas, would you lead us in prayer? Amen.
They heard God say, have you considered my servant Job? He's one who's faithful in all that he knows. Job lost his family, the land and all his wealth. When he wouldn't curse God, Job lost his health. Job's cries could be heard from the ashes where he lay. Through the pain and sorrow, Job had to say. Doctor broke the news. It could be a week, a month, or maybe two. The cancer has spread. Death will find its way. There's nothing we can do. Nothing I can say. Then the young man raised his trembling hands as his eyes filled with tears. You could hear him softly say through the pain, the
Well, our hope is in the Lord. Boy, in the days in which we're living, that's a great truth to hang on to, isn't it? Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. I was telling the Sunday school class this morning when it came in, my intention was to, I had a message that I'd been working on all week and going to preach that and somehow the Lord steered me in a different direction. <clears throat> and so this is what I want to be preaching from this morning the, in Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. I want to preach on the subject this morning, a new year without fear. Most of us are afraid of the unknown, and we don't know what this year is going to bring. We really don't, and um, I pray that it'll be a better year than last year, of course, but uh, we don't know. We don't know what, what it's going to bring. I read of some men years ago who were on, a, an old, they were on an old ship in the middle of a rough and stormy sea, and they, they had come to the point they were actually fearful for their lives. They didn't know if that they were going to be able to make it without the ship sinking or something happening. And so one of them went in to see the captain. He said, Captain, uh, I want you to tell me the truth now. Are we, are we safe? And the captain said, well, I'll put it to you this way. He said, the boilers on this ship are very weak and may explode at any moment. He said, also, the ship's very old, and she's taken on water. So he said, to be honest with you, we may have an explosion, or we may sink. He said, we may go up, or we may go down, but at any rate, we're going on. And that's the way we are as we face this new year, my friend. Jesus may come, we may go up, or we may die, we may go down and then up. But at any rate, we're going on. We're going on. We're facing a brand new year, and we don't know what it's going, not what it's going to bring. With that in mind, I want you to look with me in God's Word here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness. That word conversation, that's an old English word, it has a completely different meaning to us today than it did uh, when when the Bible was given, uh, the word that that it meant, what it meant back in that day was the word behavior, your behavior, uh, the way you act, your behavior. So he said, let your conversation or your behavior be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And in these, these two verses, there are four powerful thoughts that I want you to apply them to your heart this morning. And I'd like for you to face this new year by, by squaring your shoulders, putting a smile on your face, and saying, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear. Now, first of all, here's the first thought. The contentment of his provision. The contentment of his provision. 
Look in verse 5. Let your conversation or your behavior be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Discontent is a disease, and it takes away your joy. It takes away your peace. You see, no matter how much you have, if you're, if you're discontented, you're really poor. Sometimes we want things we don't need, and sometimes we need things we don't want, and we get all mixed up. I heard about two, two tears who met themselves along the river of life and said one tear to the other tear, where did you come from? And oh, this tear says, I'm the tear of a girl who loved a man and lost him. And where did you come from? And she said, I'm the tear of the girl who found him and married him. Now, many times we think we need something we really don't. We get our luxuries and our necessities confused. Our verse, our verse says here, be content with such things as ye have. Be content with such things as ye have. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. If you know Jesus Christ and you have contentment, that is great gain. And then he explains it, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. But having food and raiment, that's the necessities of life, food and raiment, let us therewith be content. If you've got that and you have Jesus Christ in your heart, my friend, you're blessed. And you ought to be content. You see, material things can, cannot be depended upon to bring contentment. And the reason you cannot bring contentment is that material things do not satisfy the, the deepest needs of your heart. That's the reason in the Bible it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, He that loveth silver shall never be satisfied with silver. Either you can't get enough of it, or when you get it, you find out it doesn't meet your need. When I was a youngster, we were living in Georgia, living on a farm in Georgia, and I had a cousin. He was older than me. He was probably, I don't know, three or four or five years older than me. Uh, but he came to stay with us for a week. His name was John Willie. You can tell he's from Georgia. The name like that. That's what. That's what his name was. John Willie. That's what we always called him. Didn't call him John. Didn't call him Willie. Called him John Willie. Well, John Willie, Willie and I both loved banana pudding, and all week long we kept begging Mama if she would bake us, if she'd fix us some banana pudding. And so finally the day came. Mama said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix you all the banana pudding that you can eat." And so she did. She fixes a big pan full of banana pudding, and she called us in. She said, now, I'll keep filling your bowls as long as you empty them, as long as you keep wanting banana pudding. I'm going to keep filling your bowls, and I want you to eat until you've had all you want. And so she dips out the first bowl, and we went through that and pushed over, want more, second bowl, and we ate that. 
pushed over, want more third bowl, and we ate that, and I don't know how many bowls that we finally ate, and, and then Mama, she finally said, uh, uh, do you want more? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't even want what I've already had. <laughs> now, that's the way it is with silver. He that loveth silver shall never be satisfied with silver. When you get it all, it doesn't satisfy, and if you don't get it all, you want more. John D. Rockefeller asked, asked, he was asked one time, how much money would it take to satisfy you? And he said, one, one more dollar, just one more dollar. You see, this round world will never fit into your three-cornered heart. It cannot satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. Why is this? Why, why can't material things be content, bring contentment? Well, Jesus explained in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Your, your deepest needs will never be met by material things. Nothing wrong with material things. They just simply can't satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and pay close attention to the phrasing of this now. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, it doesn't mean that you'll have every surface need met, every whim, every fancy, every uh, lust of your eyes. Have, and your flesh satisfied. No, it means when you find all in Jesus Christ, when you desire your, delight yourself in the Lord. Do you get that? When you delight yourself in the Lord, when your heart has really been seeking for, uh, whatever your heart has been seeking for, then it'll find. That's what that verse means. It doesn't mean that, that anything you ever want that you're going to get. But when you delight yourself in the Lord, am I coming across? Am I getting that? Are you hearing? Are you listening? When you delight yourself in the Lord, see, then you'll, you'll uh, have the desires of your heart. Now, here in our text, in our text in Hebrews, he's talking about living a life without fear. You know why we have fear? We have fear sometimes because we think our needs are not going to be met. Or because we think that the things we think are meeting our needs are going to be taken away, away from us. So in this verse, he's going to tell us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And godliness with contentment is great gain. We have something that cannot be tampered with. Back in uh, 1929 and 30, and I wasn't alive then, I'm just telling you what I've read. Uh, when the stock market crashed, there were men who jumped out of skyscrapers committing suicide. Why? Because the things they were trying to satisfy their heart with, they lost. And that's where their security was. Well, my friend, you better have your security and your sufficiency and your satisfaction in something that cannot be tampered with. In Philippians chapter 4, and verse 11, it says, 
not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I was talking with a man recently. He said, you know, preacher, I can't seem to find God's will for my life. He said, I, uh, I just, you know, it just seems like uh, I'm just always uh, searching. And, and so I, I said, well, what are you doing? What are you doing now? And so he began to tell me. And, and, um, and I told him, I said, you know, it sounds to me like you're doing what God wants you to do. And that's what God's will for your life is, doing what God wants you to do. And being, being content with that. You see, the problem with most people, most Christians, is they say they want God's will, when in reality they're wanting their will to be God's will. And it's not always that way. God's will may not be what you are wanting. When Paul wrote, wrote this here in prison, he, it went in, uh, in uh, Philippians, rather, when he wrote that, he was in prison. But he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in, there would to be content. He went on to say, I know how to be abased, I know how to bound, I know uh, everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And that literally means I can do all things through Christ, who is pouring his life into me, who strengtheneth me. You see, you need to, you need to learn to live a life of contentment. Have the contentment of his provision. His provision. Christ himself. The boy got Sunday school teacher talked to him about being saved. And he got he got saved, and he he had uh, he raised in a Roman Catholic family. And uh, after he accepted Christ, and 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 the teacher said, "Well, now how how do you feel, Johnny?" And he said, "Well, he said, you know, I always knew that Jesus was necessary." But I never knew until now that he was enough. He's all I need. We sing that chorus sometimes. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Do we really always believe that? He's all I need. You say, preacher, that's just preacher talk. Well, I'll tell you this much. I am content in the Lord Jesus. That doesn't mean I'm satisfied with myself. That doesn't mean that I don't have any ambition. I'm trying to tell you, my friend, that, that I, along with the Apostle Paul, can say it gladly and surely, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I've learned that whatsoever state I am, there will be content. Now, if you would face a new year without fear, if you want the source of your satisfaction and the source of your sufficiency and the source of your security steadfast, find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the second thing, not only the contentment of his provision, but second, know the companionship of his presence. 
Continue to read here. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now keep that in its context there. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to face this year, but there's one thing I know. I know that he will never leave me. I know that he will not forsake me. Isn't it wonderful to know that? He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. No matter where, where, where I am, no matter what I'm doing, he will never leave me nor forsake me. In him I have all, and he will never leave me nor forsake me. <clears throat> this may be the most encouraging verse in all the Bible. Now again, we fear because we're afraid we're going to have to face something we don't understand, and we're going to have to face it alone. I've talked to some people who felt so alone, so unloved. And a psychiatrist by the name of Alfred Adler said, all human failures spring from a lack of love. And then he named some of them. Alcoholism, workaholics, depression, suicide. He said, all of this springs from a lack of love. People need someone to love, and they need to be loved. And without it, <clears throat> their lives are filled with fear and frustration. And so our verse tells us that we, we can face a new year with the certainty of his provision and with his companionship in our hearts and in our lives. Now look at, look at that verse. He says, I will never leave thee. You see that? You ought to underline that word. I will never. What does that mean? It means never. I will never leave thee. There, there my friend, is the companionship of his presence. Look, look at the words there. Word, uh, uh, the words leave nor forsake. You see that? I will never leave nor forsake you. And, and what it literally means is, I will not abandon you. It means I will not give up on you. I will not leave you a helpless orphan. I will not forsake you. You will not be forsaken. I may be speaking to someone today, to some woman whose husband has walked out on her. I may be speaking to some young person today whose fathers have forsaken them. There may be some, some man whose wife has left him. Others who have felt abandoned, forsaken by whatever. But there is one, my friend, who will never leave you. He will never leave you. And so what does that mean to, to us as we face a new year? When I'm discouraged, I, I know that he sees me through because he's there. Psalm 116, verse 8 says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. When I'm discouraged, his presence sees me through. When I'm lonely, his presence cheers me up. I read a book uh, one time on the world's biggest problem, human problem, <clears throat> and that is the loneliness. The world's biggest problem, human problem, is loneliness. Do you know that the first 
thing that God Almighty dealt with with Adam and Eve or with Adam was loneliness. God saw Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. Loneliness. One of the chief maladies of our age, but Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What I'm trying to get across to you is Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence will see me through. His presence will cheer me up. His presence will calm me down when I'm worried. You see, we need just to practice the presence of the Lord this coming year. The thing that I think helps keep us all straight is know that Jesus Christ never leaves us nor forsakes us. And when the devil comes and knocks at our heart's door, we just simply say, Jesus, would you please go answer the door? The Lord is there with us to take care of us. Now, there's a third thing. I want you to see this. Now, I have the contentment of his provision first. I have the companionship of his presence second. And then third, I have the confidence of his promise. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, I want you to zero in with me on that little phrase there. He hath said. He hath said. This is the confidence of his promise. A promise is no better than the one who makes it. Now, he, who is it that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? It is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. This is the confidence of his promise. And so his omnipotence answers to me when I say, God, I don't have the strength for next year. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When I say, God, I'm afraid of what I may have to go through this next year. His omnipresence says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And when I say, God, I don't know what to do. The omniscient God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And my dear friend, he himself hath said it. Back when I pastored in Tennessee, my wife was involved in an accident in which she was nearly killed. I know that most of you here have heard me tell this before. I won't go into all the details. Um, but um, she, was, she was rushed to the hospital in uh, Knoxville, the Baptist Hospital in Knoxville, where they had a trauma center because it, it was a brain injury. She had, uh, she had a brain concussion, and uh, her skull was cracked, and uh, just, just a lot of very bad things. And... Um, we had first taken her to the Blunt Memorial Hospital there in Maryville, Tennessee, and they, didn't, they, they were not able to take care of the kind of injury. And so she was taken over to the Baptist Hospital in Knoxville. They wouldn't let me go with her in the, in the ambulance. One of, our, one of our church members, dear lady there, who was the supervisor of the nurses, uh, she went, they, they would let her go, and so she went with her. And um, 
And so I w uh, we, had, uh, we had three children. Um, we had a baby, 18 months old, that was with us. And I, and I had to wait a few minutes to be sure that, that they were taken care of. Uh, I think Gina was around, around 11 or 12 years old at that time. And, and then a son that was three years younger than her and then, then the baby, 18 months old. And so it took me a, a little while to be sure that, that somebody was taking care of them. And then I drove over there. Well, when I got there, the uh, neurosurgeon had already examined her and he had, he had left. And uh, so the, uh, jo Joan, the nurse from, from our church, she was there and she said, I'll call the uh, doctor back uh, because he needs to talk with you. And, um, and his office was right across the street from the hospital. So uh, a few minutes and he was there and he came on, he was, he was, um, he had about the most bland personality of anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> and, um, and he, he just said, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell it to you straight. He said, your wife is probably not going to live through the night. She has, she has one of the most severe brain injuries of any, anybody I've ever examined. And he said, her, her, and, and by having the cracked skull, if the fluid in her brain gets into her spine, it'll kill her immediately. And he said, um, I have, we have no guarantee that's not going to happen. He said, we've, we've got her in intensive care and, and uh, we're doing you know, what we can, but, but, um, but I'll be surprised if she makes it through the night. And he, and he said, and if she does, she may be an invalid for the rest of her life. She'll never walk again, may never talk again. And uh, so he said, it's not a very, not a very, it's a very grim picture <clears throat> that I'm giving you, I know, but he said, that's, that's the way it is. And he uh, turned and walked away. And I'm just, you know, I'm numb. I'm just, I'm just numb. I, I, I you know, I, I just could not believe it. I could not believe this. And <clears throat> so I turned, I turned and walked over in the, in the waiting room there and being a Baptist hospital, they had, they had a Bible there on a table, a big, a big Bible, a huge, huge Bible. And it was open to Psalm 91. And my eyes fell on these verses in verse 3. This is, this is where my, and I was not thinking anything. I was just, I was totally numb. And my eyes fell on this. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. And I'll skip on down to verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
I can't tell you, I can't explain to you what swept over me when I read that, but I had, I, I felt the presence of the Lord in a way I'd never felt him before. And I, and I knew, I knew in my heart that my wife was going to be all right. In spite of what the doctor said, in spite of the circumstances, I knew then that he was going to preserve her. On Sunday, I preached on Romans 8.28, and I don't know how I did it, don't know why I did it, but I did. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like <clears throat> everything was going to work out for good. <clears throat> but God laid that on my heart. And I'll never forget that morning, uh, our, our church, hundreds of people had been gathering at the church every night during that week and praying for her healing and her safety. And, <clears throat> and um, I, had been, I had been there at the hospital with her, um, so I, w I was not there, but I was told that there were, every night there were several hundred people that gathered at church on their own uh, praying for her. And I don't know if, the, if they, if the uh, music director had planned this this way or not, but the choir special that day was the song, I've seen the lightning flashing, I've heard the thunder roll, I've felt sin's breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of Jesus telling me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. And then the congregation sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins increase to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. <clears throat> this is what he's saying here. Look, there's the contentment. Be, be content with such things as you have. There's the companionship. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And there's the confidence for he hath said, he himself hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. My friend, this is not just advice from a Baptist preacher. This is a promise from the word of God. He himself has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then last of all, you know the comfort of his protection. He said here in verse 6, so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. And put all that together. Verse 5, he hath said, and verse 6, that we may boldly say. He hath said that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So how do we face a new year without fear? Well, you find your contentment in Christ. You find your companionship in Christ. You find your confidence in Christ. 
and then you'll find your comfort in Christ so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And we're going to face some things. We're going to face some things. But I'm telling you that you can stand upon the promise of the word of God and say boldly, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Would you stand please with your heads bowed?